Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a week full of action for the Kansas Jayhawks. We have a women's game to talk about. Uh, actually, a couple women's games to talk about. We have a couple men's games to talk about as well. And then we're looking ahead. Uh, to the weekend coming up and kind of moving forward. To help me break all of that down, coming back to the podcast, it is our good friend from 580 Sports Talk, uh, Brendan Dorzinski. He's one of our analysts as well over at uh, Blue Wings Rising. And, and uh, Brendan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. It's been a good week for KU. Well, since Saturday, anyway, this past weekend. That day wasn't so great for KU. But since then, it's been a good couple of days for KU. And big weekend coming up as well. Obviously, Super Bowl excitement this week. That's got me busy uh, at 580 Sports Talk. So it's been good. This is the fun time of year. What we live for as sports fans. So, no, I'm, I'm feeling jacked up. I say we are not quite to the absolute best time of the year, which is, you know, March Madness. But True. we're getting close. Like, Super Bowl week is when everything ramps up. You have the Super Bowl, and you go into that blissful, you know, spring season of sports and everything. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited. We are getting, you know, ramping up even closer to conference tournaments. I mean, less than a month before conference tournaments start. Um really looking forward to all of that. So, obviously we have a couple a couple games for each of these teams to talk about. Um let's go ahead and start on the women's side. I don't know how much exactly you've been able to watch of the women, um but they had a game or they they now have had two games where they almost pulled off the upset against Baylor and then against Texas, um, you know, lost both of those games by a combined seven points, and then followed that up with an absolute um, dis- destruction of TCU 
at home on Wednesday night, uh, winning by 18 points with both Yvette Mayberry and Iowana Hatsleonti on the sideline. Um, Hatsleonti, I'm not even sure if they're expecting to have her back. She's on a scooter right now with her leg. So I don't know that they're expecting to have her back. And Brandon Schneider kind of talked about that. But Mayberry, they're expecting to have back this weekend. Um, but they had a lot of different players kind of step up without Mayberry, who's been their primary ball handler. Um, from what you've seen of this team, like, is it is it one of those things where you're not necessarily that worried that they keep dropping the close ones against the top of the conference? Um, or, you know, is it kind of a little bit of panic mode right now for the women? Yeah, worry is an interesting word. I'm not sure if I'd go as far as to say that because – in a vacuum, you look at some of these results. I mean, okay, Texas, top 25 team. You lose that game. Yeah, it's at home. That's tough. But three-point loss to a top 25 team, there's, it's, it's hard to be too upset about that. Baylor, not ranked at the time. But, look, that's still a really darn good program. I know they've had changes over the last couple of years. Kim Mulkey leaves all that. But still a really good program. 77-73 lost to that Baylor team on the road in Waco. There's nothing embarrassing about that Iowa State you go back a little further to the end of January like you lose by double figures that's not necessarily a bad loss that's a really good Iowa State team so I wouldn't say I'm necessarily worried because you can under logically explain away some of these losses now discouraged yeah I think I would maybe lean with that more than worry because getting one of those two games against one of the Lone Star State schools getting either Baylor on the road or getting that Texas game at home when you had chances in both of those that would have been a little bit more encouraging. But I I feel like over the course of the year, I mean, you just look specifically in Big 12 play, KU has pretty much won the games you would expect or hope them to win. They has when you would pretty much think, yeah, they will probably lose to this opponent. So I guess in that regard and with that context, it feels like, okay, we're we're on schedule. Like this is where this KU team is probably supposed to be. And the injury concerns, obviously that's a major negative at this point too. But by the same token, I think I would at least have been more excited at this point of the year if we could say, hey, this team's taken another step. Like last year was the big leap up year. It would have been nice this year if we could go a little above expectation instead of right at expectation. So worry, I would say no, maybe a little bit discouraged that there has been as much progress as at least I was hoping for. But that being said, you know, to, to keep it as positive as I can be, uh, it always feels good to blow out a conference pro and KU just dominated TC like you just mentioned on Wednesday this past week. So pros and cons, I would like to have seen a little bit more improvement, but it's hard to be too upset when the the expected outcomes are the outcomes we actually got. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it is one of those, like you were hoping that they would take that next step forward. Um, yes, they were picked as fifth in the conference this season coming into the year. Um, but, you know, especially with teams like Iowa State dealing with the injury issue, with, you know, Texas kind of taking a step back initially, just with, with some of the opportunities that seemed to present themselves, um, the hope was obviously that you could, you know, get some of those wins. You could go on the road and and pick up some of the big wins that you needed to, or at least hold serve at home. You know, and they, they've lost a home game against Baylor now, a home game against Texas. Um, you know, they they still have not played all of the home games yet. But I mean, as Coach Snyder said in the press conference after the TCU game, you know, I actually asked him about this. You know, it's like looking at the stretch of the schedule. It's it's theoretically it's easier. Um, you know, you aren't playing all of the top teams, especially on the road, you know, and, and he made that point that like, obviously you, you have to start getting wins to build that momentum, to really feel like you're going to be able to, um, you know, build on that. But, you know, they've already played the top five teams in the league. They've already played two of them on the road and they've played all of them already. Um, some of them they played twice. 
So it's like now you get the opportunity, you know, you played TCU and and actually the TCU coach, you know, had made a comment about how how difficult it can be sometimes, especially waiting until this point in the season to play a team for the first time. It's difficult. It makes it a lot harder uh, for you to really evaluate a lot of teams, especially when, you know, you, you might have a bad matchup right before the NCAA tournament where you're playing, you know, twice in three weeks and it's just a horrible matchup for you. So that naturally would make you look worse than, than you actually would be. So I think this is a case where Kansas is definitely playing a little bit better than, uh, than it, it could have gone. But you also have to look at kind of the injury issues, right? Like Ioana Hatzelionti has been a – she was a huge part of the team last year, gave them extra depth, was big in a lot of games early this year. Um, you know, and, and and again, another thing that, you know, Coach Schneider talked about, this is a team that has had to rely on its depth a lot more than they usually do. Um, having Mayberry out was a big issue. You know, you've had times where, like, Chandler Prater was not available because of, because of an injury. Like, you've had – individual players who have not played where they needed to play because of injuries and they've had to rely on the depth. And that was, I think the most impressive thing against TCU because it wasn't just that, you know, Kansas won because a lot of teams have beat TCU by double digits this year. I think it was the fact that they had to dig so deep in their bench. They got Katrin Jackson, um, you know, significant minutes. They got Sophie Telegdi, lots of minutes. Actually, I think she, she was the one that started whereas Nadira El Tayeb, uh, you know, came off the bench. And, and while they didn't get a ton of points, they were in there for good minutes. They had, you know, a significant number of rebounds. In fact, Altayeb and and uh, and Telegdi combined for like 13 rebounds for the Jayhawks. So, like, they did a lot of really good things to help them stay in that game. And once they got it to double digits, TCU wasn't able to come back. Normally, if you're dealing with those, you know, those huge bench moments where you have to dig into that depth, there were times where Franklin was on the bench, Zakiya Franklin was on the bench. Holly Kurzgeter was on the bench. And Tiana Jackson was on the bench all at the same time. And while TCU, like you could tell that TCU was bothering them a little bit more, they weren't able to make that run that every single team in this conference is able to make. And so the fact that they were able to do that with those players off the floor was extremely, um, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, encouraging there in terms of what they're going to be able to do. They have some pretty big games coming up. They're going on the road to face Texas Tech this weekend. Um, which is not a gimme game, but it's also a game that they really should win, especially if Wyvette Mayberry's back. But then, you know, they, they have to finish out this season strong. They have some pretty difficult games potentially coming up. So it'll be, I think, extremely interesting to see how they're able to finish, if they're able to use this quote-unquote easier stretch of their schedule to get back into the Big 12 Conference race. I think it's a little bit too far for to, to you know, expect them to win it, but you have to think that they have an opportunity at least to get a top three or four seed in the in the Big 12 tournament which is something that yeah. you want to do. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the nice part. And you laid out the schedule there and having already played not the entirety of the difficult part of the schedule. Because, you, I mean, you look ahead to some of these matchups that are still, um, and I just closed the schedule in front of me, but I know Iowa State is still on there. Oklahoma is still on there. You've got a couple of these matchups that are tough. Now, you also get the benefit of West Virginia is still on there. You just walloped TCU. You get them to close out the year. So everything is still out in front of you. And as much as it is disappointing to have not been able to make that leap again, like you said, you acknowledge the injuries and that is going to, that's going to set anyone back. Shoot. Look at the men's team. Like look at what happens when you are depleted and when you've got, you know, you're not at full strength, especially with major contributors. Things happen. Things don't go well. So you obviously have to account for that too, but everything is still out in front of you. Top three or four seed is absolutely still out there. And I think that's, it's an attainable goal. I don't think it is completely out of the realm of possibility. Now you're going to need all hands on deck to get there. And KU's gotten its fair share of 
you know, star caliber performances. And, you know, going into this year, I know you and I talked about this, that I've never been a Brandon Schneider guy, so to speak. But I think based on the performance of last year and what this team has been able to do in spite of those injuries off and on over the course of this year, you give him and this entire staff and the entire team the benefit of the doubt that can still accomplish those things. It's just a matter of getting it done. I It's funny how, you know, whatever sport you're talking about here, it's women's basketball, but you take one of these games, you know, you take one of Texas or Baylor, for example, you flip that result. And all of a sudden, it probably feels a whole lot different. Oh, well, you you got one of those two. You got Baylor on the road, for example. It might not be a ranked team, but that's a really good team that you took down. Then two games later, you got TCU. You're probably flying high. You're feeling great. Instead, it's, well, it's not bad, but also, is it quite good? Or is it just sort of where we were mediocre relative to expectations? So the whole season is still in front of you to a degree. Where you are going to finish is still out in front of you. You've got beatable teams on the schedule. The, that's the one next thing, the next, I don't even know if it's a test at this point. I mean, we're pretty deep into the Big 12 season. We know what this team is at full strength and when not at full strength. But I guess that's sort of the next hill you have to climb, the next barricade you have to get over, if you will. The games you're supposed to win, you've been winning. But now you need to go prove that you can win a game maybe you're not supposed to win. Go get Iowa State. Go get Oklahoma. If you can take one of those two squads down, well, then the momentum is going to be 100% at your back as opposed to just, yeah, we... We are what they thought we were. We, we went full Denny Green. We are who they thought that we were. And well, if you can avoid that, I think you're feeling okay going into tournament play. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, you know, you look at the rest of the schedule. They've got five games that if you look at it, they should be favored in. They, they should be favored at West. Well, maybe not favored at West Virginia, but the way that they've been playing, like I, I think that that's one that's probably going to be close to a pick because West Virginia has actually been playing a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. But then you go to Kansas State, who has struggled quite a bit. Um, and you yep. completely destroyed an Allen Fieldhouse. Um, you know, you also have Oklahoma State. You've already beat them on the road. And yes, they're playing better towards the end of the season. Uh, and they, but 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 they weren't playing horribly at the beginning of the conference season. So you know, you beat them by 15 because they just ran out of gas at the end of the game. Um, you have those two big games against Oklahoma and Iowa State, both at home. You know, Oklahoma is the next home game. So if you're listening to this and have been thinking about going out to a game, that is a game that I would definitely recommend coming up on. Uh, Sunday the 19th, um, you know, that that is a game that is going to be a lot of fun. I will be there for it. I am going to definitely enjoy covering that one. But then senior night, you know, for them is Iowa State coming back. They're going to want a lot of revenge for that. I think they're playing a lot better. And let's be honest, on women's basketball, the whistle is definitely a lot friendlier uh, at home than it is on the road, just in general, because it's women's basketball, um, you know, and, and for whatever reason, like it seems to, to – you know, have a huge, like that I think will help the Jayhawks. Not saying that they're going to get tons of, you know, calls. I don't think people complain quite as much about the officiating on women's because there's not nearly as many people with their eyeballs on those. But, you know, it is definitely, um, it's a lot easier, I think, for the women's teams to feed off of the crowd that's there because it's a group that they're used to having. And it's a whole bunch of, you know, just a bunch of different things um, that, that really help out. So they have some great opportunities. I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility to, you know, have expectations that they win six of their last seven and build a lot of momentum. Well, and 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 including the TCU win, then, you know, that would be seven of their last eight. Because you think going on the road to Texas Tech, on the road then to West Virginia, then coming home for Oklahoma, that's one that they could potentially lose. Um, you know, on the road at Kansas State, home against Oklahoma State, home against Iowa State, and then on the road at TCU. So you think those Oklahoma and those and those and that Iowa State game 
probably around the 50-50 range, you know, somewhere in there because they're both at home. You win one of those, and all of a sudden you have a, you know, you've won seven of eight games going in going into the Big 12 tournament. You've built a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. You've had plenty of players develop over the course of the season. You put yourself in a really good situation to make a postseason run. And, off and you know, coming off of what they did last year, you, you want to try to get off of that 8-9 line if you can because that was their undoing last year, having to go on the road to face Stanford, you know, in that second round of the, the NCAA tournament. But they have plenty of opportunities to get the wins that they need to do that. Yeah, and again, that's it just sort of circles back to the point that everything is still in front of you. And you mentioned injuries. Maybe some players are back. Maybe some players are not back. The the scooter, obviously, that's never a good sign for anyone. But again, just go win one of these games that maybe you are not expected to win. And yeah, getting Iowa State, getting Oklahoma at home for the second meeting of the year. Yeah, that's extremely encouraging. And you know, just on my own cursory view of what is left here, the next two games, you get wins there. Hell, even if you lose both the Oklahoma and Iowa State games, it is far beyond plausible that you can get Tech, West Virginia, K-State, Oklahoma State, TCU. Even if you go five and seven over the rest, or five out of seven, five and two the rest of the way, that's plenty of momentum behind you going into Big 12 tournament play. That's confidence for the rest of the team. And it's nice to get Again, not an easy part of the schedule because we know how dangerous the Big 12 Conference is, not just for the men, but for the women as well. That, I think, is a – that would be my goal. So I'll, I will set it right there. I will just make that the, the final statement on it, that I think 5-2 and two is attainable. I think it's doable. I think this team, as currently constructed, has the ability to get there. And if they can get some reinforcements from a player or two getting back and actually adding a little bit more offensively, defensively, experience-wise, whatever it ends up being – I think that's absolutely attainable and they can do better than that. But that should be, if you want to be able to get to your big 12 tournament seating goals, if you want to even set up your NCAA tournament seating goals, I think five and two should be your bare minimum, not just hope, but expectation the rest of the way. Well, and and five and two gets you to 10 and eight on the conference season, which, you know, yeah, it's not going to win you the conference, but it's definitely in a conference that's this, this difficult. It's going to go a long way. You know, I think anybody who's above 500 in the conference is definitely going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, oh, yeah. Kansas has played, like like we said, they've played the vast majority of their difficult games. Um, or, I'm sorry, of the most difficult games. And and really it was, you know, there was four teams that got first place votes in, in the preseason poll. And Kansas has played all of them and played all of them on the road. And, and that was, I think, the point that I was trying to make earlier, and I, and I misstated it by talking about the you know the five teams above them. But um, so yeah, there's still a lot there, a lot of really great games coming up, and you know a lot of things that you can really enjoy. If you have not been out to a game this season, make sure you do it because I can tell you the atmosphere out there is absolutely fantastic. You're going to enjoy it. I have I have yet to be out to a game in Allen Fieldhouse anyway that I you know don't enjoy the game, even even the games where they end up you know, losing the experience of being out there is a great experience. And of course, speaking of things that are great, um, have to include in there the sponsor that we have here on the podcast. That would be Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, whole bunch more. They have over 100 different schools and they keep adding new stuff all the time. They've just done a bunch of refreshes, adding new stuff. They actually added Duke, which, you know, it's the only Final Four team that didn't have home field when the when the Final Four happened last year. They have now added it this year, which, you know, you know, talk about, uh, I don't know that I'd ever catch myself or let anybody catch me wearing Duke stuff, but, you know, the quarter zips that they have, the fact that those might be coming for KU 
Um, I don't I don't know that for sure, but I'm hoping, like I'm really, really hoping that we can get something like that because those are very clean, really nice look. So go on over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOCK12. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career slash USBP. Want to lose weight, be less stressed, or manage a condition? Prescription for Wellness can improve your health with personalized sessions based on your schedule. Our expert health coaches and care managers use proven techniques. It's free for UPMC Health Plan members and could lead to the results you want. For more information, visit upmchp.us slash pfwellness. That's upmchp.us slash pfwellness. You can get 15% off your entire first order. And all orders over $100 have free shipping. There is so much stuff I can guarantee that you are going to get up to that $100. Even with the discount, you're going to get up to over $100 and get that free shipping because it's it's nearly impossible to go over to Home Field Apparel and spend more than five minutes there without having at least four or five things that you want to buy. So, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12. Get 15% off that entire first order. And all orders over $100 have free shipping. All right, so... Um, yeah, well, just one more note. Actually, uh, I, apparently I figured out that on the men's side, the key to winning right now is to pick against the Jayhawks in our predictions, right? And then wear home field apparel for a different school than the Jayhawks because it's worked there every single time. I, I I mean, every every time I've done it in the last like three weeks, they've had a big, a big bounce back win. So, all right. Um, I do want to jump over to the men's side. We will talk about that game and then the game's coming up. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm Podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar sports podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs. And every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dorks. So thank you and go Cougs. And we're back. I am here with Brendan Dorzinski, uh, host of 580 Sports Talk over in Topeka, and of course, one of our analysts over at Blue Wings Rising. Your um, Orient Observations article that actually came out the day that we are recording this, talking about, I think, one of the, I guess, one of the heroes of this last game um, that Kansas played against Texas. Um, you know, we, we haven't talked yet about the Iowa State game here on the podcast because we haven't had an episode, but contrasting those two games, right, where the Iowa State game where Jalen Wilson did pretty much everything, you know, scored almost half the points that the team had, and then the Texas game where Jalen Wilson could not hit the broadside of a barn uh, for whatever reason, but the rest of the team stepped up. Like, that was two completely different things from from the squad, and I don't really know what to make of that or how to reconcile the two. Um, With that entire weekend, you know, Saturday, quick turnaround to Big Monday – What's the big thing that comes out to you from those two games taken collectively? It's the energy. It's the intensity. It's the element of being locked in. And I 
Look, I think that a lot of times fans, I'm not trying to say, you know, just casual fans do this or something like this, because I've certainly made my fair share of meathead takes before. But I think so often there's a a desire, a, a draw to saying, well, this team wanted it more than someone else. I, I have this vivid memory. I'm not a Royals fan. I went to I went to KU. I've lived here for a long time. I'm not a Royals fan, though. And I remember vividly. 2015 Royals clinched the World Series. I come back to my apartment. I turn on the TV, local news station. I won't say which one. It was KMBC. And whoever was on TV says, well, the Royals, you could tell this whole series, they wanted it more than the Mets. And I turn my TV off immediately. Like, this is dumb as hell. This is ridiculous. That, that doesn't happen. These dudes are professionals or at the highest level. It's not about that. And I think the same thing is true as much as part of my brain on Saturday said, God, KU just looks like it doesn't care. Like, it looks like the effort is not there. I think that's an instant draw because it's an easy thing and you don't have to analyze all that much. But I think this was against Iowa State, an instance where KU, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the 11 a.m. tip. I don't know if it was just a bad day. I don't know what it was. But that game was just devoid of any energy for anyone from KU except for Jalen Wilson. And it has been very clear this year that in games where Jalen Wilson has to do everything, KU is not going to win. They haven't been able to win. And there have been multiple instances of that where Jalen has had to be Mr. Everything. He's had to go get 30 points or at least 25 plus, probably get a double-double for KU to even have a prayer in some of these games. That's just not sustainable. And if you look at that game, I thought DeWan Harris did not play well on Saturday against Iowa State. I thought, and we'll get to this specific point in a moment, like MJ Rice came in and MJ Rice has been kind of a specter almost he's almost a myth like he comes in as this highly touted freshman prospect we think he's going to be a good player great athlete he's tough he's gritty and he's been hurt so much and there's just sort of this thought that well things have been going bad but imagine if we put MJ Rice in imagine if he was healthy and got to play and all of that there's sort of just this this myth of what he could be then he's come in a little bit between moments when he's been injured and against Iowa State, he looked like garbage. I, I'm just to be blunt. I mean, he looked terrible. He did not look like he was putting in the effort. It did not like look like he was engaged in the game, like he was frankly trying. We'll contrast that, like you said, to then what we saw on Monday night against Texas in what was, and I think this is relevant, a do or die game for the Big 12 championship race for KU. You lose that game, you're three games out with seven to play. In this league, that's not going to happen. You are not going to be able to climb over that many teams, including a team that already owns a win over you at the very tippy top. It's just not going to happen. So you had to win that game to stay firmly in the Big 12 race, and you had to do it with eight scholarship players, plus Mr. Break Glass in case of calamitous emergency, Michael Jankovic, who apparently was a rotation option for that game, according to Bill Self in his pregame interview and postgame for that matter. And everybody looked more locked in from the very beginning. I, you know, Jalen Wilson in a bad game. I thought he looked like it. he just wasn't playing well. And Texas's length was really bothering him. You could tell he just did not feel comfortable, especially on the offensive end of the floor. But Kevin McCullough looked good. Grady Dick, I thought, was laser-focused in that game. He was tremendous offensively. And he was tremendous without doing what is kind of his staple, is the three-point shot. He went two of three. He attempted three three-pointers in the entire game, and he was the best player on the floor. Dewan Harris, he looked energized. He looked aggressive, which we know he needs to be. And then to the point about the bench, because you brought up this week's Orient observations. I wrote about Joseph Yesifu and the game he had. 
and we'll talk more about him momentarily. But Ernest Uday, I thought, gave good minutes off the bench. Maybe got a little grabby, but he gave you good minutes off the bench. MJ Rice looked like an entirely different player. He looked like the super highly touted recruit that we thought he was going to look like if he had been healthy throughout his freshman year. I thought he was great despite not shooting the ball well. And then you get Yesifu, who plays his best game of the year by far. Still had the issues where he the first shot he takes is just unthinkably bad. Like, why in the world did you think that was a shot you should be taking with a hand in your face, falling down, flopping, whatever? But he rebounded from that because he knew he wasn't going to come off the floor. He knew, hey, we only have eight dudes. Self does not have an option. I've got to be out here right now. And he made it work. He played with confidence. He was dunking in transition and pointing at dudes on the other team. We haven't seen that from Yesifu in the entire time he has been at Kansas. So I think to, to bring it all together into one cohesive thought, you had a team that was not energized, that was not engaged against Iowa State, and it showed, and they got burned. Bill Self met with the team. Gary Bedore did a nice little piece on this for the Kansas City Star about this team meeting and how Bill Self doesn't usually like to do that. But if you need to do it, you need to do it. And they did. After the game on Saturday, they regrouped. They came together. They got that tight huddle that he likes to talk about. And they looked like a different team. They looked like a team, Andy, that should be a Final Four contender like we believe they can be. So if you can bottle that up and take that, take that into Norman on Saturday, take that into Stillwater after that, and turn that into, guys, we don't need to shoot it well. We don't need to be perfect. But if we lock in, engage, and play with high intensity, we can still beat anyone we play. Well, similarly to the point I brought up about the women's team earlier, whole season is still in front of you. There is a big 12 championship out there that you absolutely can go get a share of. I'm going to guess probably not outright because this league is insane, but you can go get a share of that big 12 championship. It's absolutely out there, but there's got to be full all the way in buy-in. Like Jalen Wilson's had that buy-in this year. He is a surefire first team consensus All-American. There is no doubt in my mind about that. But this game proved that you can win even if he's not playing at that super extremely high level. We know Grady Dick can be great. We know Dewan Harris can be great. Same with McCullough, same with Adams. We really haven't seen that from the bench all year long, but this was a game that proved they've got that in them. It's now just a matter of harnessing it and being, you know, showing continuity with it. You're going to lose another game or two in big 12 play. I'm certain of it, but can you avoid the disastrous loss and possibly the slump like we saw earlier in the year? And my hope is when you see performances like what Yesifu did, when you see what Grady Dick and Dewan Harris were able to do with their consistent offense against Texas, I'm hoping that's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I mean, and, and really, if if you look at it, um, you know, that game against against uh, Iowa State, Jalen looked energized, but, you know, Self even talked about it afterwards. He was talking about how, you know, they had some good shots, some good open shots early in that game, and they just missed them. And that sapped the energy out when they were like, hey, we're getting these open shots and nobody can hit anything. Um, which happens to teams. Like, you know, that's one of those things you can't necessarily always avoid. And you're going to have nights where stuff is just off. The fact that it ballooned and snowballed had to be, you know, <clears throat> a little bit worrisome. That You had so many players that just got so far out of it because it's like, oh, well, it's not our night. So let's just, you know, protect ourselves, not get injured. Like, you don't want them to get injured. You don't want them to, like you know, stretch too far when it's pretty clear that they're not going to be able to do it. But, you know, that was a game that for the longest time, I mean, Iowa State only scored 68 points. That was a game that was not really out of reach at any point in the night until they pretty much gave up with five minutes left. Um, 
Switch over to the Texas game, though. You know, that game reminded me a lot of when uh, Kansas went down to Texas last year. Um, Texas, they did, you know, they identified Ochai Abaji as the guy that we have to shut down and stop. And Abaji didn't do much in that game. But the rest of the team stepped up and gave Kansas the opportunity to win. This, to me, felt exactly like that, where Texas keyed in on Jalen Wilson, you know, made sure that he wasn't going to be able to get the shots that he wanted to get, was going to make it difficult for him all night long. And Jalen Wilson rightfully took all that attention and found ways to get it to other people and to get other people involved. And once they got on a roll, and it's like Jalen Wilson's there to make, you know, the 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 tough plays, the quick plays. You know, he had six rebounds, you know, two assists, two blocks. He had all kinds of stuff that he was able to do to be effective in this game, to be helpful in the game. He just didn't have a shot. Um, you know, and, and Kansas, I thought, had plenty of guys that stepped up and did a bunch of different stuff. Like you said, Grady Dick was phenomenal, you know, he made the only two threes that Kansas had in the entire game. Kansas went two of ten from three. They didn't need to go, you know, more than that from three, though, because they had so many guys that were driving to the basket, finding good shooting lanes, doing everything that they needed to do to get in there and really just take it to Texas down low. Um, you know, that was a game that kind of felt like Texas was going to have opportunities to come back. But if you go and you look at, like, the runs and you go look at the score, there wasn't ever really an, uh, a spot where you felt like it was over. Like, Kansas took the lead pretty early in that game. Um, I think I actually wrote about it over on Blue Wings Rising. I think it was like four minutes into the game or something like that, and Kansas never trailed after that. Texas came back and tied it once in, in the second half. But, you know, you looked at K.J. Adams, who had a, a great stretch in that second half, early in the second half, to keep Kansas ahead, to keep Texas from actually taking the lead, and then Kansas was able to all come together and, you know, build off of that. So, to have other guys step up, to have guys, you know, stop a run like that that was not Jalen Wilson helps to build the confidence of this team. And to your point, you know, this this conference race is completely up for grabs. You have Texas, who's one game up on four other teams tied for second place. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous right now just how, you know, bunched up everybody is. And then you have Oklahoma State and uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who, uh, TCU, right? I believe that's right behind them. Like, it's... It's crazy right now just how bunched up this conference is. You've got seven teams that right now are all within two games of each other for the lead in the conference. Um, super competitive team or super competitive conference. It's just it's it's ridiculous right now what we're seeing from this entire Big 12 conference. They're also bunched up enough that I could see someone going on a tear and potentially getting to the point where, you know, they could you know, win the league by a game or two if they just hit hit all the right spots. So, like, there's just so much. This is completely wide open. Um, you know, I just don't really know what to expect coming out of the rest of this, you know, this this weekend going into the rest of the conference season. But I just know it's going to be something you absolutely have to watch. So, so looking ahead, um, you know, Kansas has a little bit of a stretch here where, you, I mean, you kind of have to worry because the, both these next two games are on the road against an Oklahoma and an Oklahoma State team, you know, that are that are actually pretty good. Kansas is expected to win the game against Oklahoma, um, which I think makes a lot of sense. And it's actually kind of funny. You look on Ken Palm right now, the prediction is that Oklahoma State wins 69 to 68, but it's a 50% margin. <laughs> like, it's it's a 50% win probability. Um, basically, as much of a pick as you can ever get in, in a Ken Palm projection. So it'll be... I think super um, – it, it, I, I bet that's going to be a really good game. And then, of course, they get to come home and try to get revenge on Baylor. Like, 
they have a difficult slate coming up, but it is by no means the most difficult slate of anybody. To, you know, I mean, they have they have West Virginia and Texas Tech at home towards the end of the season. Yeah, they finish up going to Texas. But other than that, like, everything else is a winnable game for them. Um, and I mean, even including the big Monday game against TCU coming up on February 20th, like, there's a lot of opportunities for them to have awesome wins to, to really kind of get to where they need to be. But I just know that I don't want to miss a game the rest of the year. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And you make the point, too, that it feels with so many teams bunched up that there is the potential for someone to go off on a tear and take control of the conference. And I would agree with that. And I think we saw the makings of why Kansas could be that team in Monday's game against Texas. Not that they necessarily will, but why they could be that team. But again, you just have to harness that and continue to build on it. But you're right. I mean, you look at the schedule and the teams they're facing, there are no days off in the Big 12, but it is not even the hardest stretch of schedule that KU has faced over the course of the season. You know, you are done with with K-State, who's obviously had a good year. You're done with Iowa State, which is having a good year. Oklahoma, you should be able to beat. I know it's going to be at the Lloyd Noble Center. It's one of the, like, three games all year that they're going to have that building full for. KU should be able to win that game. I'm not really sure what's wrong with OU. They're way worse than I thought they were going to be this year. Oklahoma State, that's going to be tough. They're playing pretty good basketball. They've got one of the best defenses in the entire country. You look at any numbers, basic stats, Ken Palm, any advanced numbers, one of the best defenses in the entire country. That is always not a house of horrors, but it's not an easy place for KU to go play. Getting Baylor at home, that's a big deal. You want the Allen Fieldhouse home court advantage for that one, absolutely, because I think I still think Baylor is dangerous. Maybe that's just uh, residuals for having watched them and have watching them been so good over the last few years, but I still think that can be certainly a dangerous team. TCU, it all comes down to Mike Miles, man. I was at the K-State TCU game on Tuesday this week. And K-State looked real good in that game. TCU, though, looked absolutely awful. They do not have an adult in the room if Mike Miles is not out there. It was a lot of dudes who have talent, a good coach, I think a good scheme, but it looked like a bunch of guys who really had no direction with what they were supposed to be doing. And if Mike Miles is not out there, I like KU's chances without really thinking twice in that matchup, even though TCU won big earlier, I know. West Virginia is playing better. I think KU can get them. Texas Tech's the worst team in the league. KU should be able to get them at home on senior night on Tuesday the 28th. And then, yeah, the biggest game left on the schedule, other than the Baylor contest, is Texas in the season finale. That game could very well be, given what the standings look like right now, that could be a do-or-die game for a share of the Big 12 championship. So it's a fun schedule the rest of the way. Like you said, it's not the hardest stretch of schedule. There are teams in the conference right now that have harder stretches of schedule the rest of the year by a lot. So you just need to continue building on the positives you had against Texas. If you can beat Texas, you can beat any team in this league. And KU should know that it can beat any team in this league. But it is going to take a whole effort. And honestly, right now, if you told me, and it sounds like Zuby Ejiofor is going to come back soon. It sounds like Zach Clements eventually will be back. Hopefully Bobby Pettiford sooner rather than later, just not Cuff and Martin, but at this point, whatever. Um, but if you told me right now, you were going to get this similar kind of production from MJ Rice, Ernest Uday, and Joseph Yesfu your three bench guys, I'd say, okay, there's your rotation. There's your eight-man rotation. That, that's the Big 12 tournament group. That's the NCAA tournament group. I'd be fine with that. I don't know that we'll get that production, but if you could tell me we'd get somewhere close to it and Jalen Wilson will score more than two points on one of seven shooting, I would say, all right, boom, th this team is ready for a run. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's really what it comes down to is that this team has everything that they need to make a run. The question really is just, are they going to be able to put it all together? And we had similar questions going into the end of last year, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you had you had Ochai, who is a player of the year candidate. Like, you have this year, you have Jalen Wilson, who's a player of the year candidate. You had guys like, you know, Wilson last year and McCuller this year that are like the garbage men that can pretty much do anything. You had Dewan Harris in both, you know, in both seasons that are playing phenomenally from from the point guard spot. Like, you have a bunch of the pieces that you need. The question always is just how well can you put them together in crunch time when it really matters in an, in, in an NCAA tournament game. Um, you know, I I am of the opinion that there's a very good chance that that Texas-Kansas game at the end of the year could be for sole possession of first place in the Big 12. Like, that could be a conference title deciding game. Um, but I also could see it being any number of other things because there's just so many. There, You know, there's so many... So many teams that are capable of being up there. So I will be very interested to see who's able to do that. And obviously we will be following that as it goes along. Um, you know, Oklahoma, I think the, the game against Oklahoma should be, I'm not honestly that worried about it. Cause like you said, they've been having you know struggles this year. So I'm fully expecting them to, to go ahead and, and uh, work their way through that one, get the win, and then hopefully build some momentum going into that final stretch of the season. All right, Brendan, I think that's going to do it for us today. Any final thoughts before we get out here? Yeah, final thought is uh, it's been a good week for KU. You blow out TCU for the women. You get a big win on Big Monday for the men. Turn it into momentum. Get some positivity. Go into the weekend. Go into the home stretch. The Big 12 schedule feeling like you can win it all. That's all you need at this point. Exactly. And, and of course, rock chalk. But that's going to do it for us today. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please go do go out wherever you Get your podcast where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. Subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast so you guys get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including all of them uh, that are coming in. Um, or, I'm sorry, no, all, all but one at this point. Um, we are still looking to fill those last two spots, but make sure you find links to all the great shows that we have um, by going to 1012 network.com and get those links. Please make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, Promo, uh, and and prize picks from a code chalk 12 get get some great deals but that's going to do it thank you guys so much for listening we will catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.